Besides Greg and Leanne and Wally, does anybody know what today is? And Raph, sorry, no. Anybody know what today is? Epiphany. Today is Epiphany. 
I don't see a lot of excitement about that. You know, I, I thought I'd get some, woo! Uh, it's Epiphany. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You know, it's, a, it's not surprising because we've kind of lost Epiphany in, in the life of the church and in all of the things that we celebrate. And Epiphany is the 12th day after Christmas. So it's always January the 6th, and it just happens to be on a Sunday this year. So I really felt like we need to reclaim Epiphany for the church. Uh, it dates all the way back to the fourth century when they first began recognizing that as a special day in the church. Uh, it used to be a feast day. And I'm really not sure why we let that go. I mean, I mean I'm not very, you know, quick to let go of feast days. And it's also traditionally the time when you take down your Christmas decorations. It's kind of the official end of the Christmas season. So here at the church, everything was left up for today for Epiphany, and then it will come down. How many of you have already taken down your Christmas decorations at home? There you go. Uh, we got part of it down before we went to Florida because we have a live tree and, you know, you buy that tree on Thanksgiving weekend, and it's like this. <laughs> and by Christmas, it's kind of like that. So uh, we really decided uh, we can't wait till Epiphany to take down this Christmas tree. It needs to go. But um, the most important thing about Epiphany, though, is what it stands for, what it represents. And that is the coming of God into the world for all people. As represented by these three guys right here, the wise men. I never really thought about it till I was preparing this message, but up until the birth of Jesus, God's relationship with humanity was primarily through one group of people, the Jews, the people of Israel, the chosen people. And those who are non-Jewish, what, what we call Gentiles, were pretty much left out on the fringes. But that all changed the day Jesus was born. There had been prophecies in the Old Testament that said that the coming of the Christ would be a light to the Gentiles. I mean, God made it clear that what I'm about to do is going to be for all people, not just for a select group. And the visit of the wise men marked the first time that Gentiles recognized, believed in, and worshiped Jesus. And that makes it significant especially for us to know that God entered the world not just for the chosen people, the Jews, but he entered it so that we could all be chosen to be his people. So I want us to talk a little bit about the visit of the wise men as the focus of Epiphany. 
Let me read this to you. It's in Matthew 2. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Before we get too far in the story of the wise men, I want to correct uh, a few misconceptions that we have about this story. Um, I know that we all kind of have our own way that we like to think of the Christmas story, and I don't want to rock the boat by, by telling you that there's a different way, but I think it's important. We live in a world that is very skeptical about our faith, and whenever there are misconceptions about what the Bible says or about what we believe, that's only fuel for their fire. And I think it's important that we know the truth. And the first misconception that we often have about the wise men is that they were kings. We have that wonderful Christmas carol, We Three Kings. But there's no indication that they were. Matthew tells us that they were magi. Magi means wise man. A magi is someone who was very educated, who was very knowledgeable of finances and politics and government and all kinds of things that a king would need to know to rule his kingdom. And so magi would have been like advisors to kings, counselors. To kings, but not the kings themselves. The second thing is, we don't really know how many there were. We latch on to three because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But we don't know there could have been five that brought gold, three that brought frankincense, and two that brought myrrh. Uh, we just don't know the exact number. And then there's the question of their arrival. And this is the big one, I think, for most of us. You know, traditionally, we always have our manger scene, our nativity, with Jesus in the manger and Mary and Joseph 
and the animals and the shepherds and the wise men. But according to Matthew's account, the wise men would not have arrived the night Jesus was born. The star appeared the night Jesus was born. And they began their journey with the appearance of the star. And when they arrived and it said Herod had determined from them the exact time the star appeared and his conclusion was that Jesus could have been up to two years old at that time. And furthermore, Matthew said that when they found Jesus, they arrived at the house where he was staying. So if we really want to get this right, the wise men were not part of that scene the night Jesus was born. So here's what we need to find a way to do. Instead of having our wise men kneeling at the manger with everyone else, we need to have wise men on camels, and we need to put them about 20 feet away, over here, and then have our manger over here, so that they are part of the story but they're just not quite there yet. Or we can just leave it like it is and not worry about it. <laughs> and that's what we've chosen to do over the years. I'll never forget, they, I don't know how many of you saw the movie that came out a few years ago called The Nativity Story. It was a movie they made about the birth of Jesus. And I was at a pastor's conference and they had a screening of this movie for all these, I mean, there were several thousand pastors there. And the guy got up before the screening and said, look, before any of you say a word, I understand <laughs> that the wise men weren't there. We know that that is not an accurate part of the story. He said, but to millions of people out there who will be watching this movie, it is. So we made a concession and we put the wise men there that night. And we all just laughed and said, hey, we get it. <laughs> I don't know of a single church that puts out a nativity that doesn't have wise men in it. And that's okay. As long as we know what the truth is and as long as we are able, when people question that and say, well, here's just another mistake you Christians make, uh, we'll understand how to deal with that, how to talk to them about that. But here's the bigger question. What made the wise men wise? What made the wise men wise? Uh, well, they were educated. They knew a whole lot of stuff about a whole lot of stuff. But I bet each and every one of you knows somebody who is really smart, but they're not wise. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to have all this knowledge in your head. It's another to know what to do with it how to translate it into life, apply it to daily life. Um, and there are a lot of people who don't seem to have that. They're very smart about a lot of things, but when it comes to just daily living, not so much. So what made the wise men wise? Well, Matthew 2 tells us three things. Did the wise men seek Jesus because they were wise? 
or were they wise because they sought Jesus? Ponder that for a moment. Did they seek Jesus because they were wise or were they wise because they sought Jesus? I think Matthew's going to tell us yes and yes, but the, the demonstration of their wisdom was in the fact that they sought Jesus. Matthew 2.2 tells us three reasons why. First of all, they were willing to seek direction. They were willing to seek direction. When the wise men got to Jerusalem, to King Herod, they asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? And we thought, well, if they're following the star, why do they have to ask? Well, the star took them to Jerusalem. Now, it will reappear. But for the moment, it only got them to Jerusalem. Now, that's five miles from Bethlehem. That's very close. But if you don't know Jesus is five miles away, you might as well be 100 miles away. The star took them to Jerusalem, but it was the word of God that took them to Jesus. Did you catch that in the story? When they got to Herod and said, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Herod said, I don't know, but I know who to ask. And who did he ask? He called in his wise men, which for the Jews were the priests and the teachers of the law. He called them in and said, these guys say that the Christ has been born. Where is he? And they searched the scriptures and they found in the prophecies of scripture that Bethlehem was to be the place where the Messiah, the Christ, would be born. And about that time, the star reappeared and took them straight to Jesus. So this is the point. The, the star led them to Jerusalem but it was the scripture that took them to Jesus. And the same is true for us today. It's the truth of God, God's word that takes us to Jesus. You know, men get kind of a bad rap uh, because we don't like to ask for directions. Uh, there you go. Of course, now you don't really have to ask for directions, do you? You just, you just whip this out. and I guess you have to ask Google or ask somebody so you don't have to actually stop but I, I remember the days of my childhood travels with my father he was one of these guys that did not stop and ask directions and we would drive around and I would say hey dad are we lost because I've seen that building four times and his answer was always the same son we're not lost I'm just turned around I never figured out the difference between being turned around and lost. But apparently there is. And God's word tells us that we're all lost in terms of our relationship with him. We all need direction in order to be in a relationship with him. And that direction comes from Jesus Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus wasn't trying to be uh, exclusive or difficult about it when he said that. You got to come through me to get to God. He was just being truthful. 
You can't get to God because of the baggage of sin in your life. I have come that I might die for those sins and take them from you, and that frees you to have a relationship with him. So the reason you have to go through me is because of what I've done for you. And like the wise men, we have to be wise enough to seek direction, to find our way to God. The second thing he tells us is that they were aware of the signs of what God was doing in the world. They told Herod, uh, or they asked Herod, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east. Now, how in the world did they know when that star appeared that it meant Jesus was born? That's a pretty big jump, isn't it? Wait a minute, new star. Jesus must have been born. Let's go. Many of the magi in the Eastern world were also astrologers. People who interpreted the signs in the heavens to give them some idea of what God was doing. And the appearance of a new star said to them that God is on the move. Something is happening. And even though they weren't Jews, they, they knew enough of the Jewish scriptures to know that the prophecies of Christ had been fulfilled. And we need to do the same. We need to be constantly looking around us and saying, what are the signs that God is working in our life and in the lives of those around us? And how can I get on board with that? I mentioned uh, the jail chaplaincy. Uh, shortly after I got here and I started hearing about uh, Benny Santiago and the work he was doing in the jail and the difference that was making in people's lives. I said, that's a sign that God has blessed this ministry and that we should be involved with that. We need to get on board with what he's doing there. And so for over 20 years, we've supported the jail chaplaincy. We began to look around a few years ago and saying, who locally is doing something to help meet the needs of people. And we found the IDES group, International Disaster Emergency Services, down in Noblesville. And they're feeding thousands and thousands of people around the world through their food packing program. And we said, that's a sign. We need to get involved with that. And so for the last two years, we've packed 10,000. Then last year, we packed 13,000. And... They've challenged us this year. They said, we, can you do 15? And we said, sure we can. So on August the 3rd, we're going to come together for two hours on a Saturday morning. We're going to pack 15,000 meals. Because God is working through that. God is using that. And, and we want to be involved. The same is true in your own personal life. Think about your own life and the relationships you have. Where is God working? Who do you have the possibility to impact for good in your life? Who do you have an opportunity to be a witness to for Christ? Who has a need that you could meet? 
See, there's signs. And I found if I look, and if I go through life with my eyes and my heart and my hands open, that God leads me to those places and to those people. Just like he led the wise men to the manger. So they sought direction. They were aware of the signs of what God was doing around them. And the third thing is that they knew how to respond. Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Remember, these are important people. These are people from foreign lands who, when they came to King Herod in Jerusalem, he would have afforded them the respect of a dignitary. He would have shown them uh, great respect and honor because of who they were. And these important men decided that since Christ had come into the world, the most important thing they could do is take off on a journey that might take upwards of two years and bring their treasures and bow down at the feet of a child. And we must do the same. Wisdom tells us that when you come to know Jesus, the, the most important thing you can do is just worship him. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said that Jesus was given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. He understood that. The wise men understood that. Did they know all about Jesus? Absolutely not. Did they have a clue that he was going to sacrifice his life on the cross? I don't think so. All they really knew is this child was born from God. It's God on the move. It is God working in our world. And so whoever he is and whatever he's going to do here, we need to worship. We need to submit to him. I pray that every day we will seek to be wise. That we will seek direction from God. That we will... Uh, be aware of the signs of what God is doing around us. And most of all, that we will live each day in a constant attitude of worship toward the Son of God. I hope you have a blessed epiphany. And after church, feel free to reinstate the feast. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful that we have this special day in the life of your church where we can remember the wise men, people who were willing to step out in faith to leave behind everything they knew and make that journey to worship you. I know that their lives were changed forever because of what they did.
and our lives will too. Father, we pray that you would bless each and every one of us with wisdom. The wisdom to, to know you, to recognize you, the wisdom to believe in you, the wisdom to follow you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <laughs> I was thinking about how we use the word epiphany today. An epiphany is an illumination, a realization, an insight into something that you didn't know before. Uh, an epiphany is an aha moment of life. An epiphany is that little light bulb. You, you know, have you ever tried to solve something, figure something out, and you've thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, and you just couldn't get it, and then all of a sudden, one moment, Bing, there it is. The light bulb goes off and you say, I've got it. That's an epiphany. The wise men had an epiphany when that star appeared in the sky the night Jesus was born. And there may be someone here this morning who just had an epiphany today. And that epiphany may be, I need Jesus in my life. I need to do what the wise men did. I need to recognize him, I need to believe in him, and I need to follow him. If you're ready to take that step of faith to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to receive you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple confession of faith that says, I believe in Jesus, I accept him as my Lord and Savior, will arrange for your baptism, and you too and be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 495, verses 1 and 3, and I invite you to come.
soul. Yeah. 